Good morning. I'm John Cook, and this is our continuing study on the pastoral epistles. This is lesson number seven, part four. If you want to see the previous lessons, all you have to do is go back, uh, look for them on my YouTube page where you are now, and uh, you'll find them. If you want to know when we're online or when I'm teaching these, these lessons, simply subscribe to this site. Just click the subscription button and then click that little bell and it'll tell you when I'm online. It'll also tell you if there's a new study available, even if I'm not online, but you can go back and see the teaching. The purpose, again, of these studies is to prepare men for the ministry, that they might know how to pastor, that they might know what to expect as a pastor. And today we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And so take your Bible and turn there, and we'll get right into our study. would help if I had everything ready to go when I, when I start, wouldn't it? I tell you, this, this uh, live broadcasting is a real, um, <laughs> it's something really new for me and very difficult for me to get used to. But uh, eventually, I'm sure I'll get it together as I, as I ought to have it together. So we're in Pastoral Epistles. Lesson number seven, part four, 2 Timothy chapter one, verses eight and nine today. So take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy chapter one, verse eight. And notice that, well, let me read that to you. 2 Timothy chapter one, verses eight and nine says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel, according to the power of God, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So what we're going to see today, excuse me, what we're going to see today is we're going to see how God deals with those who may have some fear or even shame about what it costs to serve the Savior. Then we're also going to see that God has called us. He saved us and called us. He's given us a calling. We have a responsibility, a responsibility that is just as great as that of the Apostle Paul. That is, to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. So let's see what God has to say to us today. Again, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So he says, be not thou therefore ashamed. Now, can you imagine 
how any of us, as a child of God, born-again believers, bought out of our sin, saved, how any of us could be ashamed. And yet, it's possible. Or we wouldn't be warned. Be not thou therefore ashamed, he says. No need to be ashamed of standing for the Savior. Isaiah 53 and verse 8 says, He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. If we find shame for standing for the Lord's testimony, we might ought to go back to the Scripture and find out what the Savior did for us. As he tells us here in Isaiah 53 in verse 8, he went to prison, they took him out of prison, they uh, crucified him, he was cut off from the land of the living. And all of that he did for the transgression. In this case, he's speaking to Israel, but for our transgression. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Romans, chapter 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We in this day and time, this world that we live in, should not be found ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not be ashamed of the Lord, nor ashamed of the change that some may have about them for having served the Lord. There are men going to jail today for preaching the gospel, for doing nothing more than simply holding church and preaching the gospel. They go to jail. Now, there are countries that we expect that in, but we certainly should not expect it in our country, nor in Canada. But it's happening. And I believe it will happen in our country. In fact, men have been uh, fined for just simply preaching the gospel. Where we're supposed to be protected by our Constitution, we've come to depend upon our Constitution too much and not enough on the Lord himself. The Lord's our strength. The Lord's the one who keeps us going. And when you go out there and you knock doors, it's the Lord who's with us. And we need to pray that he'll give us great boldness. The same boldness it took for him to go to the cross. We need that boldness for us to tell others about his cross. There's no need to be ashamed. 
2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Hey, this is a preacher of God. This is the Apostle Paul. When he first went to prison, nobody stood with him. He was by himself. All men forsook him. But he didn't pray that God would judge him for it. He prayed that God would forgive him for it. That God wouldn't even recognize that they had done it. But I say to you that there's too many of us today that are ashamed of the gospel. And we're keeping our mouths shut instead of opening them and telling others about the Savior. There's no need for us to be ashamed of our Savior. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14 says, But I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things that it, which have happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Do you know, even if things happen, bad things happen, that God can use them to further the gospel? So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So Paul looked at his bonds, the chains he wore, and he saw them as badges of testimony that showed forth in the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, were much more bold to speak the word with, without fear. So Paul said, God used the things that I'm going through to get the gospel out more. Many of the brethren, they were encouraged. They were saying, if Paul can go through this, I can go through this. They were confident. Says, waxing confident by my bonds. They built up their confidence looking at those bonds. And it made them more bold to speak the word without fear. We should look at the bonds, the chains that some are suffering as an, as an encouragement to us. To get out there and be bolder about our witness for the Savior. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 says, But and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Now, the last this fear and troubling. That seems normal, doesn't it, for suffering? When we suffer for doing what was right and we end up in jail for it, we suffer for doing what's right and people curse us. I've had the occasion to knock on somebody's door 
And when you try to witness to them, they, they literally stand there and cuss you out. But if you're suffering for righteousness' sake, it doesn't call for fear, nor does it call for being upset. It's a time to be, look what he says, happy are ye. Happiness, joy, praise God. I read in Acts chapter, uh, what is it, chapter, I believe around chapter 4, chapter 5. The apostles suffered for preaching the truth. They were threatened. And they went on their way rejoicing. Praising God. Happy that they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for the Lord's name. He says, happy are ye. Then he says, be thou partaker according to the power of God. In other words, don't run away from it. Jump right in, knowing that God sees us, will see us through it. He says, be thou partaker, according to the power of God. God gives us power to take difficulties. God gives us power in the face of persecution. There was a preacher put in jail for preaching the gospel in Canada. My wife read me the testimony. A jailer, one of the jailers called his name out, said, Hey, you want some pen and paper? Say, what does he want that for? Said, because John Bunyan, this was what that, that police or uh, that jailer said. John Bunyan wrote his prison manuscripts. Now's your chance. Be thou partaker. Get in there. As we used to say, get in there like a dirty shirt. Too many of us want to stand on the outside looking in. I remember when my son Nathan was a, uh, on played hockey in Nanaimo, British Columbia. He first started out, he was standing on the, kind of like out on the outside, looking in. While all was going on up against the boards, he wasn't getting against the boards. He was what they call it. He wanted to be kind of, I, I said to him, I said, son, either get in or get out. Don't be a cherry picker. Just get in there. And he did. He became a really good defenseman. 
in playing hockey. In fact, his coaches loved to have him because he really got into the game. Well, that's what God's saying to us here. Get into it. God will give you the power you need. Get into it. Avail yourself of the power of God. Wax confident. Knowing that God will get you through it. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It says, who hath saved us and called us. Notice, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, saved us and called us. We are saved and called. So God has a purpose for us. You look at your surroundings. You look at what, at the difficulties you may face for standing for the Lord. Just remember, it's God who saved you. If God could save you, what is there he can't do? And if God would call you, what is there that he would not equip you to do? You know, if you're training for the ministry, or you're a pastor in the ministry, God saved you and called you. What he called you to do, he equips you to do. So, God called us. This calling refers to our condition, the circumstances around us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 through 29, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Notice, God didn't seem to pick out the wise. He didn't seem to pick out the really brave. He didn't seem to pick out the really important people. No, he didn't do that. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world. God says we're foolish things to this world. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. This world looks, they see who God uses, and they say, why would God use somebody like that? They're not important. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. We're foolish things. We who God has chosen. He's chosen foolish things. He's chosen weak things. We have weaknesses. Why would he choose the foolish things? Because the smart guy is too smart. 
He wants to confound the, the smart guy. He shows the weak things. Why? Because he wants to confound the, the muscle man. And base things of the world. Notice, good grief. What a description. Foolish things. He says foolish things. Weak things. Base things. And things which are despised by this world. Hath God chosen? Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. You know, people talk so much about having a good self-image. Well, maybe that's not what we need. What we need is to recognize that God can use us. It's not that we're important that God uses us. It's not that we're somebody special that God chooses to use us. It's that God chooses to use us. That's what makes it special. We're just the foolish things, the base things. The despised things in this world. And listen, if you're going to stand for the word of God, you're going to be despised. If you're going to stand for the King James Bible, you're going to be despised. If you believe this book is God's inerrant, infallible, verbally inspired and preserved words, if you believe this is the living words of the living God, you're going to be despised. People are going to laugh you, laugh at you. They're going to mock you. They're going to make fun of you. They're, they're going to call you foolish. They're going to call you nothing important. You're not educated enough. that no flesh should glory in his presence. Why does God choose to use us? The not the mighty, not the noble, but the foolish things of this world. The Weak things of this world, the despised things of this world, the base things of this world. Why? Because no flesh should glory in his presence. Why? Because we have nothing to glory in except the Lord. If you glory, glory in the Lord. It's not bragging about, look at my education. Look at all my degrees. Good grief. We got, as one preacher used to say, we preachers today have so many degrees behind their names, it's like being a thermometer.
The sad thing is, is that it seems like the more degrees we get behind our, na behind our name, the less we do for God and the less we believe God. The less we stand for God. Because we want to take credit instead of give credit where credit is due. Listen, it's not John Cook that's important. It's Jesus Christ that's important. John the Baptist put it. He must increase, I must decrease. If God is going to do anything with me, it's going to be done because he increased, I decreased. The less view I have of myself and the more view I have of God, and my Lord Jesus Christ, the more God can use me. He says, not according to works. Salvation is not according to works. Neither is our calling according to works. God doesn't look at the things we can accomplish or have accomplished. God looks at us and says, I'm going to save you and I've given you a holy calling. And he saves us by faith, not by works. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says, Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. I want you to notice our salvation is through him, not through church, but through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our salvation. Not by me, not by you, not by joining a church, not by living a good life, not by being a good person, because there's none good. But we shall be saved from wrath. We're justified by his blood and shall be saved from wrath through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm justified today. Somebody said that word justified means just as if you'd never sinned. Well, that's a pretty good description. I'm justified today. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. You know, you walk into you walk into an art exhibit, and the author of the art stands proudly to show his workmanship. Well, Jesus says, "I am His workmanship. I was created in Christ Jesus unto good works." 
His workmanship should be carrying out its purpose, and that's to glorify the, one, the worker, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Good works naturally come to us because it's what God ordained to be accomplished by us. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 says, But the grace, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. The God of all grace. It's God's grace that we're saved. It's God's grace that we have eternal life. It's God's grace that we have been justified. And he, by his workmanship, is going to make us perfect and establish us and strengthen us and settle us. It's all the work of God and not the work of man according to his own purpose and grace. It's what God has determined. His purpose is to adopt us as sons. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. He has predestinated me. Predestinated means to be pre, a predetermined destiny. I have a predetermined destiny, determined by God to the adoption of children. One of these days, he's going to declare, this is my son. And that's all due to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me and gave himself for me, who saved me, redeemed me, and according to his own good pleasure, and his own will, he has determined that I'm going to be declared one of his children. Oh, glory to God. That will be a day. And what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. What a day. What a glorious day. That will be. My job now is to live according to the calling that he has called me. To live as a child of God. To serve my Father, my Heavenly Father. To do those things which are right in his eyes. And not those things which are right in my eyes.
This business about being a child of God, you realize. Not once from Genesis chapter 1 until after the Lord Jesus loved us and gave himself for us, not once were any of us, were any, was any man, I should say, was any man adopted as a son. No believers were. Those who kept the law and those who sought to love the Lord and lived for the Lord as best they could, not one of them was ever born into the family of God. But we are. And that's God's grace. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I got to tell you, my daddy couldn't wait till Christmas morning. We had to open the presents on Christmas Eve. You know, it's a wonderful thing to think about the gift that God has for us. I can remember my children at Christmas time when they were little. Oh, how anxious they were to get out there and get see what was in those gifts. Oh, they wanted to open it up. They wanted to have first-hand experience with it. Well, we should be like a child. Looking at the gift that God has given us through our Lord Jesus Christ. This gift of eternal life, it should be a constant study with us. To live for the Savior. To live for eternity. Someone wrote a song. Said, with eternity's values in view, Lord. With eternity's values in view. May I live for this day with eternity's values in view. Open up that gift God's got. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You saved? Are you in the Lord Jesus Christ today? Then you have the gift of God. Eternal life. Because the Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Let's live like we have the Son of God. Let's live for the Savior who loved us and gave himself for us. He's given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. This is speaking to born-again believers. In Jesus Christ. We've been given. In the Lord Jesus Christ. A great gift. Colossians chapter 2 verses 5 and 6 says. For though I be absent in the flesh. Yet am I with you in the spirit. Joying. And beholding your order. 
and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. I know something about that. Because having been a missionary in Canada, it's a joy to me to find out that the churches that God allowed us to establish and allowed us to appoint pastors for and to see them continuing to stand for God, to see them preaching the word of God, to see them faithfully serving God, that's a joy. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. To see how God is blessing. And that's what Paul was talking about here. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. How did you get saved? Because if you know how you got saved, then you know how to walk in him, according to Colossians. Well, Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says again, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We received the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that we should walk in them. Excuse me. How'd you get saved? Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. How'd you get saved? Well, you got saved through faith. You placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, you want to know what faith is? I'm sitting here in this chair. I'm not bracing myself in case this chair disappears. I got faith in this chair that, it'll, that it will hold me up. Have you ever sat down on a chair and it didn't? I have. Your faith was misplaced in that case. So was mine. But you know what? I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and as my Lord. And I know whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I know that I'm saved today, not because John Cook's a good person, but because Jesus Christ is Almighty God and he died for me. He paid the debt of my sin. He wiped it out of existence. And today I stand in him. And my hope and my help is in Jesus Christ. The songwriter wrote and said, My hope is built in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. 
I stand today upon Jesus Christ. Well, the same way I stand in my salvation, I am to walk as a Christian. I'm to walk in him. I am to talk of him. I am to give glory to him. For I am to bring honor and glory to my Savior. So what have we seen? Well, we've seen that we're not to be ashamed. And that tells me that I can be ashamed and have been. And I'm to take a bold stand for the Savior. We've seen that having been saved, that we have a calling, a holy calling. And that's the calling that I got the day I got saved. And that's to be a witness for the Savior. We've seen that we have a great gift, eternal life, to share with this world. Let's let the world know there's a Savior and there's salvation available. Let's don't be ashamed, but let's boldly speak out for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, until the next lesson, to all that are saved, God bless you. To those that are not saved, may God have mercy and draw you to himself. And may you come to know the Savior as your own personal Lord and Savior. For Jesus' sake. Till next time. Goodbye.